0: dream is not dead. Listen to Neil and Jeff share their leadership experiences through a new kind of leadership podcast. This is The American Hustle.
1: I'm leveled up, and this
0: is my Good morning,
1: afternoon, evening, wherever, however you are listening to us. Welcome to The American Hustle, where we believe The American Dream is not dead. Dead. This podcast is about leadership and business through your heart. I am your host Neil Simpson, and I am joined per the huge with the acclaimed producer, the Italian
0: stallion. Hi, I'm Josh Romani. Oh, uh, yep. so 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 calm and, and collected there. Yes. Yeah, you know. Uh, so you know. First off, please take a moment, like, subscribe, give us that five star rating. And coming up in this episode, we're going to be talking about playing golf. Uh, also, at the end of the episode, don't miss out on our quote of the week. Yeah, that's and
1: and those who have been joining us know that that is my favorite part. I intentionally don't uh, familiarize with that with my you know familiarize myself with that part of the uh, production notes because I like to experience it organically at the same time that you, the listener, is is experiencing as well. And we can kind of uh, work through that, unpack that together. It, it is important to note, folks, that uh, this podcast is an extension of uh, a wildly successful automotive podcast that is kind of sweeping the off-road and truck industry. Um, and if that is something of interest to you, we suggest you head over to sfj4x4.com. You can see, uh, you know, I Speak Jeep, which is uh, our our podcast that kind of, you know, thrust us onto the main stage um, of, you know, streaming uh, these, you know, these conversational sessions uh, to you. And of course, that is valuable to say is that these podcasts are uh, the American Hustle is intended to be conversational, uh, organic. And um, ideally, you will glean something from our reasonably 40 years combined experience in entrepreneurship, leadership, self-improvement uh, from experiences within, you know, the firefighting realm to uh, athletics, to, you know, entrepreneurship, to community organizing, and and, uh, and then even the music scene as well. Yep. So, you know, that is the, the nature of this specific podcast. And our, our goal is to have a conversation with you. And so we appreciate all of the people who have reached out to us. Uh, via, you know, whether it be email or text message or when, uh, when you're in as a customer for our, our, our flagship process, you know, people coming in and mentioning this podcast, it's, it's very rewarding and I can't believe the reach of it already. So thank you for being part of that as a listener. Um, those, those reviews and sharing it is so, so valuable. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As you mentioned, We're talking about playing golf. Yep. And uh, realistically speaking, I think there's probably some people listening right now who are like, I don't know that I'm interested in this.
0: And uh, I mean, I, I think most people can enjoy a game of golf. Doesn't mean they're good at it. Do you think anybody actually enjoys golf? Well, it depends on how much beer you're
1: drinking. On the I course. was gonna say I feel like that's one of those <laughs> I feel like that's one of those sports that, that is all about, you know, uh adult abu- adult beverages while you're while you're
0: wandering around the it's, greens for It's so about long. the socialization of it. Yes. And that's what this is about today. Yes.
1: Or or I know people who, who are uh, you know, just want to do it by themselves. Find it very almost therapeutic or meditative oh, to yeah. just you know, walk the green and hit the ball, and kind of the process as it unpacks for them.
0: Especially a good nature-based course.
1: Yes, yes. But ultimately, folks, we're we're actually, uh, you know, I guess the the play on it. We're not actually going to be talking about the the actual game of golf. We are talking about the game of networking. That's right, right. And uh, and I so I don't want to exactly bore you, though I I promise you I wouldn't bore you when I when I attempted to play golf for the first couple times when I was like between 12 and 14. <laughs> My grandfather was a voracious golfer. He loved the actual sport or the golf the game itself, but he was also a phenomenal networker. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's interesting. I wonder as a kid, if that was lost on me, if the fact that he was actually out there playing with friends, uh, business partners, you know, a network, uh, that was beneficial to him. And, and internally, one of the phrases that I use, a mantra that I use is I'm, I'm not particularly skilled at playing golf. And that is actually the nature of going out onto the golf course. Right. Right. And, uh, my priorities tend to lie more within our physical facility being here, hands on, um, And kind of overseeing some of the the customer service or customer experience, uh, but then also some of the diagnostic and and mechanical work. And the challenge, uh, personally, when I reflect upon that, is that oftentimes those networked relationships are uh, harder to establish. Correct. Right? Because I think there's a lot of people out there who will admit that some of the best business deals are made on the golf course. And yes. I actually do mean uh, the golf course. On the physical golf course the, yeah. physical golf course, the uh, physical golf course. But with that is also uh, social networking at, you know, VIP events or, you know, after-hours events or, you know, some type of uh, get-together for peer professionals. Right. And uh, very, very often you get individuals who... You know, business owners who will typically go out for an 11 a.m. tea time or a 9 a.m. tea time. Yep. And they could be related uh, industrialists, people from a similar industry. And all of a sudden you find out that, you know, CEO A is making a widget that... I don't know, you might actually have a good you might actually have a good market exposure for. Correct. And and now you're first you first to market, your speed to market, because you know they're gonna be that's gonna be coming down the pipe, and uh, you're in a position to retail it sooner than the competition. And so that's really valuable because that socialization, that networking is critical to growing whatever pursuit it is you have. Right. Right. So whether it is community organizing or uh, small business development or even large business um, or even just being part of a team, that social networking is pivotal. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, we all want reasonably to kind of rely on our, our, our rest on our laurels to a degree. We actually talked about preparing to self rescue, and I think uh, in the last podcast, I think there's a difference between understand that nobody's coming to save me, mm-hmm. uh, but that my network of people can benefit my process.
0: Now, the big thing to that, though, is that it's a give and take. Okay. Uh, if you're going to rely on other people to help you, you better be willing to help them as well. Yes, well, which is true. And it makes me a little uncomfortable,
1: and I've heard the the phrase, I think most people, you know, heard it growing up, uh, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And something about that makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, if it is, you know, if you are suspending your, uh, your morals or you're suspending your vision in order to reciprocate a relationship. Right. Um, and that is a fine balancing act. Right. um,
0: Everything, but, everything in leadership is balanced. It all comes back to that. That balance and
1: moderation, yep. right? Um, which is funny. Uh, as a side note, I, years ago, and I do have this talking point that's, you know, kind of stirred up in the back of my brain that's actually talking about uh, life to the extreme. And I think you and I maybe have talked about that briefly. And some other time we'll unpack that yeah. uh, on on this podcast. Yeah. Um, But that balance and moderation, I think, creates sustainability. Yes. Right? Um, And so, life to the extreme is about getting the locomotive moving forward Mm -hmm. on the tracks. You know, if you think about how... You know, if we actually talk about a train itself, how big and massive, uh, an undertaking it would be to pull a hundred freight-loaded freight cars forward on the train tracks. Yep. That's an extreme process.
0: Absolutely, but once it's moving.
1: But once it's moving, it's about that fine-tuning, the balance and moderation to keep it to keep it in process. Yep. Right. And so that a little uh, you know fun analogy is is meant to say okay, but well, what about? You know, what about, you know, my vision is, is really unique and it's unusual and I'm a little bit of a lone wolf in my industry. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the extreme. That's that's the start of the train. Yep. But once you're once you're in progress, uh, creating that balance, that moderation, that's vital in sustainability. Keeping, yep. keeping it going, you know, Correct. keeping it on the tracks. So the actual uh, playing golf in this conversation is about your network right? Yes. And your ability to network. And uh, I, it's one of the things that I personally reflect upon as a business that is dissimilar to so many in our immediate geographic proximity. Yep. It's often challenging. And we have sought relationships with other manufacturers, with other retailers, with other service providers. And through that process, we found some good ones and we found some not so good ones, you know? And, uh, I do think it's critical in our ability to sustain our business model to continue to, to grow. Um, but there are definitely been some challenges in the fact that, uh, in our industry, playing golf is, off-roading and getting out on the trails and being out at some of these bigger events and the traveling, the traveling and, and loading up and, you know, living on the road and balancing my work life, uh, family balance. I did a lot of that in the very beginning. And I went out on the road by myself or joined by a couple people internally here. Um, and that took a toll on my family. Oh yeah. Very challenging, you know? And, um, And therefore, my mental health. Right. And uh, and so now I look at the the landscape and go some of these next big moves as as we kind of uh, continue our growth process. But arguably, I don't want to say we're plateauing by any stretch of the imagination, but you want to continue to feed that fire to keep that train, you know, moving forward. And I'm going, okay. well, how do we continue to appropriately feed that fire? Where are those relationships made? how do we continue to uh when a part isn't right we call it that manufacturer and if that contact there is no longer uh in the role that they were now that re- now that relationship has fallen apart that manufacturer um you know they're gonna say oh well you're missing part a uh, six from the the install kit and i'm like yeah well let me open up a support ticket and we'll get back to you in 48 hours and and that's not good for our business. Right, we got to right. move a little faster, right? Yep. I need that that networked person on the other end to go, you know what, Neil? I, I know you. I know your business. I trust you. And I'm going to get you that part overnighted today. And right? and we have that relationship with some. With some. With a lot of good businesses. Correct. Right? But our ability to continue to build that network right. is is what then differentiates our most growth-oriented businesses uh, within our industry and arguably within all of retail service, uh, community organizing, so on and so forth. Yeah. So how does how does one go about building a network or what are some of the mantras that you've heard
0: in that process? So early on in my career, um, you know, you always hear that saying of somebody who's just beaten down and feels the systems out to get them. It's they'll say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an excuse. You know, skills get you a lot of places, but, but early on in my career, somebody did, someone that I respected in leadership said to me, well, it's not, that's not the right saying. It's not who you know, but who you know. Okay. And I'm like, what? Right. It's confusing. Say it again. We'll, we'll make sure it's nice and clear. What is it? It's not who you know, but who you know. Okay. And I, I literally was blown away. I okay. had no idea what they meant by that. Sure, it made no sense to me. But as as I progressed through my career, I started to understand that the basically what they were saying is, you networking is not so that you can meet people, mm-hmm. it's so that me, people can meet you. Interesting. The more people that know you, the better chances you have of building your network and growing your network. Mm, because you could you could know. 2,000 people. Yes. But if they don't know who you are, you don't, you haven't built that trust with them. You haven't built that relationship with I, them. I have chills. I have chills because
1: you know what? It's it's almost like a, a little bit of an epiphany for me because um, I have been exposed to a broad and, and wide range of experiences in my life. And um, oftentimes there has been a personality type that rubs me a, a little raw, right? And And it is, um, I always used to complain about it when I was certainly younger, and you'd be at an event, uh, an organization, uh, you know, an appreciation event, whatever, and you might be just casually being introduced to somebody or introducing yourself, and that person is shaking your hand. But they're really scanning the room for that next person they want to meet as well. Correct. So they're only kind of half in, in involved in this moment. They're only half present. Right. Right. And um, I remember it, um, you know, at a peer level, uh, certainly in high school and college when we were at, you know, youth leadership type programs or initiatives or uh, within young political processes that I was involved in. And uh, in these in these events, you always had a, a individual who you know you shake hands, you try to make eye contact, and realistically, they were already picking that next person in the room that they were trying to introduce themselves to, that they were trying to get their name uh, in front of. Yep. And that personality type kind of rubbed me rubbed me wrong because I was just like, you know, I'm we're trying to have a, a connection here. I'm trying to you know tell me about your business, tell me about your school, tell me about. Uh, The community organization that you represent, you know, whatever it might be. And you're trying to go find the next person to introduce yourself to. Right. Right. Our our exchange is almost over in your brain already. Right. Right. And um, I could, other than, you know, maybe calling that person a busybody or uh, just, you know, feeling, uh, you know, diminished by our interaction, the fact that they just wanted to go introduce themselves to more and more people, I couldn't exactly put my finger on, you know, other than I didn't like our interaction. And I knew that they were trying to politicize themselves and move on with somebody else in the room. Right. You know, whereas I personally have always had the belief that the more people that I can uh, speak to, that we can reach. And certainly in an automotive related business, that was my my big push was. Hey, I'm going to operate with a heightened level of transparency and the more people who become familiarized with me or my process, therefore the more successful our business will grow. Yes. And, and so I have always kept my name, my face very closely related to, uh, the pursuit of all of my endeavors, right? Because I'm proud of it yep. and I feel like I don't want to be the single most important aspect of our, uh, you know, automotive business, but I want I want that customer to be able to associate a face, a name, uh, an integrity, right, with our process. Yep, right. Um, <clears throat> and so, it was not critical to me to go out and and try to meet two thousand people and make two thousand friends, but it was critical for me to present myself in such a way that it could be consumed by others. So then that is what exactly you're saying.
0: Correct. Because basically if you go to, we'll just say that event where there's 2000 people and yes. you're, you're the, the name grabber and you're just going out shaking everybody's yes. hand at the end of the event, maybe a couple people might remember you, yes. maybe, but they're not going to know anything about you. I, you build that organic relationship. Yes. You take time. Maybe you only meet 10 to 15 uh. people at this event out of 2000. Right. But you took time to organically meet them. You've made an impression. Mm hmm. That's going to last. And, that, and when you call them up for something later, they're going to remember you.
1: And that is at my core, uh, truly how I see the world. You yep. know what I mean? And that's so valuable to, to kind of hear it said in it's not who you know, but who you know. Yep. And it's interesting to kind of hear it phrased that way, but then also to understand how that is applicable To me and to our experience, because uh, to call that person a name grabber is 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 exactly what it is. They're grabbing names. And then the funny thing is. I would I would argue that the name grabber is also the name dropper. Correct, right? Correct. Because the moment they're talking to you, they're talking about somebody else to you. Oh,
0: absolutely, right. And, and that, it's probably the guy that they just got the name from five seconds yes. ago when they, they shook his yes. hand and moved on. Yes, yes.
1: So I think it's it's really critical, folks, that if you're listening to this because you're looking for that little piece of uh, that little piece that you can glean, you know, that little uh, talking point. Don't be the name grabber, name dropper. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, when you are at that event or organization. And I think that that I, I because, of course, we are students of leadership and, and socialization and, and uh, personal betterment. There's a number of people that I follow online and they're constantly at these events. And I just can't believe that they're getting um, that they're getting that much from constantly being at these think tank, these mastermind, these socialization, VIP, business owner events constantly. I'm thinking, well, when do you work? Because I just, you're constantly at conferences or uh, luncheons that, you know, are about networking, but they're name grabbing, name dropping. Correct. Right. And I almost wonder if a business has a glass ceiling because you're, yes, those relationships will give you instantaneous bursts of whether it's cash infusion into your, your, your company, or marketing, you know, market value, because now a local radio host is mentioning that he was at a luncheon with you yesterday. You know, OK, that's cool. That'll bump your sales for the day. Yeah. But does that create sustainability? Right. I, I mean, And I think it comes
0: back to balance. I think it's sure. important that you do that networking and it's important that you meet those people and, and have those luncheons. But you got to do it in moderation. Sure. If that's all you're doing, how could you be focused on your business like you said?
1: Sure. And how, that's, that's my thing is, is how can you be positively contributing to the fine balancing act that is keeping that train on
0: the tracks moving forward? I, I'm going to take it a step further. Mm-hmm. When I say how could you be focused on your business, I'm also saying how could you be focused on your self-development? Yes. Because if you are constantly just out meeting people. How are you focused on improving your own brand, your own self, your own reputation?
1: Right. More so than just your, your cliche talking points. Correct. Right? And, and I, I, again, I'm going to go back to these folks that I, I see that are constantly at the networking events. And I'm thinking to myself it just seems to me that you're almost an addict to the that instantaneous dopamine rush of being at the event yep. talking about your business talking about how you can improve upon it but the actual physical application of investing time energy and resource into creating change is arduous and 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 longitudinal yep it, it is folks if you're if you're listening you understand there is no get rich quick scheme uh, yes with the internet there is Virility, you can go viral, but uh, as a company who has a couple videos pushing, you know, million plus views, likes, whatever, that doesn't actually make money. That doesn't actually return investment. Right. That just gain, That just garners exposure. And so, if you're that that person who's at constantly at these peer networking groups, that does not mean that you're you're then sufficiently investing. Yes, you can see where there's weak links yep. in your business model but but the actual arduous day-to-day investment is not there then
0: well and i think i think the next important step is with that uh if you're just going to those events and you're just meeting people you're gonna find that those the name grabbers or name droppers that's all they're actually doing Mm -hmm. they're not listening to so if i went into the event and saw you at the event and i came over and said hey neil my name's jeff i do this this and that all right nice to meet you and move on I don't know who you are. I don't know your sure what your background is. I don't know anything. You about forgot your to business. shove your
1: business card into my hand yep. and tell me how much you're going to change my life and then move on, right?
0: Because right. that's that's ultimately how that usually works. Uh, and know? that's exactly what it was, or what that would be. But if, if I would have said, "Hey, nice to meet you, Neil. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, what do you you got? Kids? You got this? You know, have an actual discussion later sure. on down the road. We run into each other again, and I go, "Hey, how are your? How's your kids? How's your family? Absolutely." that means a world of a difference to you as a person yes so that's important that you take that time to learn about people
1: I think it, it that process then allows you uh, and you have to be good at then discerning that group that surrounds you right go back to that 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 podcast we talked about the five closest people are gonna determine who you are yep the same goes for your business so the five business that you're that you're uh, interacting with that you're aligning yourself they're also going to det- determine a similar market value for your company yes. or your organization or your committee or your board whatever it might be so you yourself have to become a student of, of judging character absolutely and you know and and so as you're you're doing that and you're you're kind of vetting that person that their life their approach then at that point in time, it becomes so critical to say, is this a company, a person, or a process that I want to align my business with?
0: Right. Uh, it's also important to, to look at when you're in the room of 2,000 people, which ones are making the biggest scene? Sure. I'm not going to talk to them. <laughs> That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, for whatever reason, my own... Uh, my own experience, the name grabber, name dropper, the people who really um, puff themselves up like
0: a peacock in yep. the room. I, I just. I mean, I, I guarantee you, at some point, you interact with them because that's the type of person they are. Yes, but I'm not going to take the amount of time with them that I would with somebody off to the side that is just there to meet people and and have a good sure good relationship with. And people. I think
1: there's there's something to be said. Um, in that balance moderation process that sometimes the company that's puffed up like a peacock can actually give you a bump in the process. Correct. Right? And so this, it's valuable to say that sometimes I do want the mainstream business, the big dog, the, the chamber, the council, the whoever, the newspaper that's or media outlet in your area, I want a little blip from them. Because yep. they'll give us a little boost of energy, a little infusion. Yeah. But I don't believe that unless you are operating at the exact same level that they are. Right. Right. That that then pursuing them as your primary relationship is your best avenue. Right. Yep. Because at some point in time, their process exceeds yours. And, and that could be financially that they just want advertising dollars that you can't actually afford. And I'll tell you a little story about that here in in a minute. Um, Or that, uh, that you'll get consumed in their process because they've gotten to this huge, massive butter churn stage in their business model by being around longer, by, you know, by name dropping, name grabbing longer, whatever it might be. They've, they have gotten to the consumption process of their business model. And so in order for them uh, to, for their fire to continue to burn, they got to toss bigger and bigger logs onto the fire. And that's just kind of how business tends to work. When you're small and organic, you can, you can cut corners a little more. You can scrape by. People expect, um, you know, for example, when this business started, we didn't have a showroom and you know it was uh, we didn't have very good lighting yeah and so the idea that if i wanted to come in and say yeah you you know your build's going to be you know tens of thousands of dollars and that customer looks around and goes well what the heck am i investing in you know that the curb appeal the approach of the business has to then reflect the outcome right and so if you are a very big a juggernaut of a institutionalized business and and maybe that's a media uh, mogul of sorts and you're just a startup, they're going to they're going to want more than you can actually give oh, or yeah. what you are, what you need to give. And so to kind of, you know, take that that analogy and, and give a story to it, when we were starting out. Uh, as an automotive business, we do a lot with differential parts. So gears, uh, bearings, consumables that are specific to the mechanical advantage of a vehicle going down the road. And so it's called gears and axles. And we were working with a large gear axle manufacturer. And I actually have two different experiences with large scale gear manufacturers. One was we actually had a a huge massive juggernaut of a gear axle manufacturer who just didn't even care that I was alive. Right. And we were so small on their, on their, uh, on their radar that I was just a little gnat, bugging them constantly. Yep. Now there's actually positive that comes out of that because after about two years of bugging them kind of just, just in their ear, they did eventually give uh, us a representative from within their business an inside sales rep who then was, was very positive. And this is that idea that they gave us a blip. I was able to ride their wave just a little bit by association, positive association. Yep. Right? Got a little bit of a, a a notoriety from them, but that relationship it only went so far because we did not actually have the means, the resources, the financial whereabouts to fulfill that relationship. Yep. So I got a little bit of a a press bump. I got a little bit of an ego boost when I was, you know, kind of young and starting out and having that recognition at a consumer level, I do think benefited us, right? It was nice that people said, Oh yeah, Hey, you're, you're in with so-and-so. So so I'm going to start my gear build with you. Right. We weren't an established gear axle builder, but people saw this uh, relationship that they perceived. And so they said, Hey, that's, I'm going to I see where you guys are professionals yep because because you have that because you have this relationship with with manufacturer A yep the problem with manufacturer A was that it wasn't sustainable because outside of just a nice you know a nice word from them or uh a, you know them supporting our processes with you know with literature with pamphlet with you know saying yeah you can stock our product and yeah we'll give you a tech line we didn't actually have the ability to capitalize on their our relationship with them because we just simply lacked money. We yep. lacked the financial resources because they were such a huge juggernaut, I couldn't buy in with them. Right. Right? So then their, that process, that fork in the road takes me to another gear axle manufacturer who does say, oh, I see you're looking to build axles. We're looking to sell you parts. We want to have a direct relationship with you. And I was at a moment, I was like, that's cool. This is a big name as far as I was concerned. And, uh, you know, so manufacturer A goes off and and we maintain a pleasant uh, relationship at a distance, just a namesake relationship, as I like to call it. And manufacturer B steps in and says, we'd love to sell you our parts and we're going to sell you at a discount and we're going to help do a little branding for you. And we're going to also give you notoriety. And, and so thus, you know, thrusts me onto the main stage of going, Hey, these two brands, um, you know, are our flagship products, yep. right? Now the consumer looks in and goes, I've heard of manufacturer A and I've heard of manufacturer B. So this com- this company must be legit when they look at Simpson family Jeeps, right? And meanwhile, I'm thinking I can really only barely buy from company B. I can't buy from company A because I just simply don't have the financial whereabouts. And I can buy from company B. But then what I found was that company B wasn't serving the best interests of Simpson family Jeeps, of SFJ 4x4, because what they were doing was they were leveraging the fact that I needed that little boost, that I needed that little presence, that I thought that they were going to thrust us onto the main stage. Yep. And so they kept going. Well, hey, we'll give you uh, three, four thousand dollars worth of credit, and you stock all these parts on your shelf. You can't sell these parts unless they're on your shelf. And I thought, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I, I, I'd, I'd get saddled with some debt when I really couldn't afford it. Yep. And then the parts wouldn't sell, or I wouldn't market them well, or, uh, you know, the person came in and yes, I have this gear set but they really needed the next number gear set yep in line from it so the fact that i had one on the shelf didn't matter because now i'm actually paying out of pocket for the next one yep. right and so this was a situation as as us as a startup as us as just getting going company a had only you know they said hey you know and they waved at me from across the street yeah company b you know picked me up in their car but then had all these conditions, yep. right? And they were driving me to a destination that I did not want you to go. You got in the candy van. I got in the candy van. 100%. 100%. I got in the candy van, right? So company A and their candy van was on the side of the road. They just waved at me. Theirs was like a, a beautiful million-dollar RV on the other side. You know what I mean? Yep. Waving at me. The candy van pulls up, and it was like, Hey we can help you. I'm like, free candy, hop in, free candy, hop in, free marketing, (laughs) advertisement, you know, and this is my, this circle back to my conversation about if you're in that room and that company who, who's commanding all the attention, who's, who's puffed up like a peacock walking around. Yeah. Both of these brands were that one of them was unable to help me because I was fiscally uh, unprepared I was not ready to be within their market right the other one the big the big dog in the room that was puffed up was prepared to help me but they weren't actually helping me yeah. I was helping them Correct. they were consuming me as a small business yep and when I recognized that and unfortunately it took me a couple painful interactions with them before I was saddled with so much debt and so much product that I was like I'm not actually helping my company. I'm just helping them. Yep. But as a as a startup entrepreneur, I didn't know that, and I think this is the value of if we come back to it's not who you know but who you know. If I would have had a mentor from within our industry who equally had been there before, who had equally seen this type of um, interaction. Or if I was familiarized enough to say, oh, hey, you know, I, I can I can see where, hey, this happened in, in X, Y, and Z industry and now how it's applicable to me. Yep. But I wasn't that aware and I didn't have that mentor. And so I got myself in a bunch of
0: financial trouble. I did the exact same thing when I had the retail store. Yeah. We had a, a toy company, a very, very well-known toy company. Yes. And most companies at, at that time were, hey, you got to buy in, you got to do this much buy in or you got to do that. They didn't. Okay. They said, hey, we're going to set you up. Oh, by the way, we're going to give you this $100 toy to give away free as you do your grand opening. Yes. So they saddled us with, I mean, a full showroom of product plus warehousing. Okay. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yes. The product's sold great. Mm-hmm. But as you, as you start to diminish it, you realize, hey, I had decent markup in those product, but I still got to cover my overhead expenses. I got to cover this. I got to cover that. Where's all that money going? I can't that can't all just go straight back to the retailer yes. that, or the supplier that I'm getting it from. Yes. And then you call them up. Hey, we're we're running a little low on stock. Can I get a couple of these items just to, to get us by for, sure. I just for need this two. sale? I just need two to throw on the on the shelf here. We're going to send you all of this on credit. And, and I'm like, that's amazing. That's awesome.
1: I feel like you're helping me stock in this stock
0: the, the store back up. That that promotion ends and then I'm stuck with all this product that didn't sell. And I'm going, huh? Yep. Wow. What I'm not I'm not helping our company. Yes. I'm, I'm helping this company because yep. I'm loading up all their product and then I I don't have money to reinvest into my own company.
1: Yes. And in that moment, uh, folks, if you're listening to this and somebody's offering this as a process to you, please help uh, we hope that we're helping you see through that. They'll give you 10, 15, 30 days credit on it. Um, they'll tell you that. You know that, hey, it's it's returnable. There'll be yep. this buyback program. Yep, when I, you,
0: That was part of it. There was a the buyback program. The buyback program. You got to pay the shipping on that buyback. Program. You got to pay
1: the shipping. Uh, depending on certain orders, they'll actually saddle you with a restock yep. or a, a diminished a diminished return buyback. Yep. And and equally, when you are a a, a small business or a, an organization or a board of directors who's just, you know, who's just getting by or a working board, these programs that sound so good. You're barely just getting by. You're barely, you know, seeing your vision to come f- to fruition. You don't have the time to then learn all of these processes to the side uh, to then to ship it all back, to box it, to send it back. And sure, yeah, you could take it down to the UPS store and they'll box it for you and they'll do all But that's now more,
0: you know, now more money out than in. And, and the biggest part of it, I think I learned was if it seems too good to be true, there's a reason. Yep. It's great to network with them and have that relationship. Yes, but if I could give one piece of advice, is don't accept credit that you don't have the money to immediately pay back. Sure, don't expect those sales to pay that debt back. Yes, the whole the whole credit
1: um, the whole credit and term nature, I think, is the biggest farce of small business. I find way too many small businesses extending credit because that's what the bigger businesses do. Yep. And um, that's ish part of the network. Uh, The phrase that we haven't shared at all, which is one of the most cliche ones, I feel like is network establish establishes your net worth. Yep. Um, Everybody has heard that one. I think it's why we're not, you know, beating it into the ground. But the issue is that manufacturer A, is not actually in my network, nor is are they in our similar net worth. Right? right. They are a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, going back when, you know, 10-15 years when I'm I'm talking about this manufacturer A for us getting started. So that network did establish my net worth because I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, be in the same playing field as as they were. Yep. Right. And yet small businesses constantly see that caliber of manufacturer A and go. Well, I want to be like them. That's why we put these fancy titles on us that we talked about in the previous podcast. Well, I want to be like this company because yep. because clearly that's what I want to aspire to. No, you actually have to stand on your own two feet and and fulfill your own aspirations and not, you know, manufacture A because manufacturer can take A can take credit because they have enough cash flow, because they have enough liquid asset, because they have enough other financial uh, parameters in place that allows them to extend
0: and receive credit. You do not. If you are a startup, uh, you just don't. A good network is mutually beneficial. Yes. If it's not mutually beneficial, there's a reason that you should get out of that network. Yes. And
1: I wonder how, um, you know, we, and for a future conversation, as we circle back to this, how do we, how do we recognize when we are in that moment, if we are in a mutually beneficial network, right? That would be the question for us to unpack at greater length, more so than just this, this, we're scratching the surface of the fact that of playing golf, of that golf game, right? But to say that we are actually in a beneficial, a mutually beneficial golf game, a relationship that is good for both of us, Right. And how does a person who's in that moment, if I could go back and talk to to Neil from 10 plus years ago and say, doing this buy in is not actually going to help you right now without have made, you know, without those obstacles, without those stumbling blocks. I wouldn't be where I'm at. Correct. However, for people who are listening, uh, for people that we want to help, how do we get them to recognize in that moment because hindsight's twenty twenty, you know. How do we get you to to recognize in the moment that this is not mutually beneficial, right? You know, and and internally here we have. I've always said that one of the the biggest values to us uh, as our, our our parent flagship SFJ four x four is that good network of subcontractors. So if we can't do it in house, a we'll either just say, hey, this is not a process that we're capable of fulfilling. There are certain things that we don't do. And we try to tell people that before we get, um, you know, in over our head, too many businesses try to do too many things. Yep. The other piece is as we have, you know, worked with subcontractors over the years is finding subcontractors that are on our level Yep. that have similar priorities And, and so how do we help people in that moment do the same, you know, because that's one of the things I'm very proud about is once we've established our network, then, you know, priming the engine and making it work for our consumer, because that's what builds our, that builds our bigger business, you know? Absolutely. So, and that will be the, the, something we're going to have to, uh, figure out and unpack for people in the future so yeah i think you know, that'll be a great future identifying episode. it in the moment yep you know anything further you were thinking about jeffrey or any points
0: for our our network who you know but who you know i think real quick just to to recap on the name drop name grabber yes uh it's very similar to social media networking yes versus networking in person right you could have the biggest social media following out of anybody yes but do you actually know any of those people?
1: Oh, we see it all the time. We see it all the time, and it, and, and it's very superficial, yep. right? And um, uh, we actually had a auto parts manufacturer, and they are a, a manufacturer themselves, and they went to a large retailer. Mm-hmm. And that large retailer looked at their social media, and they said, well, until you have 30,000 followers on social media... We can't carry your line yep. in our department store. Yep. And so, you know what that that manufacturer did? They went back and they paid some foreign entity clicks yep. and likes and follows and and spent, you know, two, three months in this, you know, paying for clicks. Not, not an actual paid advertisement or sponsored campaign. Right. But this was a time where you could just get a click bank yep. and, you know, get all these likes and follows. And the issue... Becomes that at a, at a, just a numeric spreadsheet value. Yes. As I look at this data sheet, I see the manufacturer's name. I see they make these parts. They've got 30,000 followers. They've got, um, X, Y, and Z dollars in, in, you know, in product ready to go. But that doesn't actually create a sustainable business.
0: Yeah. Out of 30,000 followers, how many of them are actual customers? How many of them are actual customers? Not how many, many How many actually want to consume that product? Correct.
1: What is their organic level of, of give, a,
0: give a crap about the business? Well, right? and as far as the networking goes on that too, with social media specifically, I can tell you that I have been in situations where someone's like, oh, I see your friends with so-and-so on this social page. How do you know them? Yes. Well, I've been able to produce that information every time. Oh, I know them from this, or we've done this together. Yes. They're great for this. Yes. And that goes miles with whoever you're having that conversation with. Yes. Now, if you've got 200,000 followers and they go, hey, who's, uh, or how do you know John C? Well, I, I, I don't know.
1: Yes. Yes. I I don't know, they just they clicked on my my profile right. one day or I clicked on their profile yep. and friend friend requested them. We see that constantly. It is the uh it is the digital equivalent of being in that room of two thousand uh peer professionals and getting the name of one thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine of them. Yep. Right? It's the it's the digital equivalent. There it's just superficial. It's just at the at the face value. Yep. Whereas any day of the week, I will take somebody who has an organic, uh, you know, enriched experience of that 10 to 15 that you had mentioned in the room. And now I know out of that 10 to 15 Five, seven of them are actually perfect fits for my network, right. right? And I vetted it, and I I cut off the the dead weight of the other, you know, five to seven that I don't want in my group. Yeah. And then two or three are on the cusp, and then I've I've established go, hey, you know what? I'm going to call on these people in the future. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And that's the the difference when it comes to social media. Our numbers are just more inflated, right? Now we've got. Thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of followers, of views, of likes, of whatever. But until that actually turns into equatable dollars or investment, whether it's social or emotional or resource, then that's only
0: that's only, you know, surface level. Correct. And now there is a there is a time and a place for that social reach. That's another conversation. But
1: yeah, it cannot I've, be brand awareness and yeah. uh and and namesake and familiarity and oh man I see that brand everywhere let me look into them right I, I mean right now uh, Timu is a huge online retailer that's one that's just popped up on my radar recently because you're seeing their stuff everywhere yep and the more that you see that 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 uh, brand exposed everywhere you get a little intrigued that's human nature yep right and so I understand the value of why the name dropper, name grabber wants to get one hundred ninety nine thousand, you know, one hundred, you know, 1,999 1, names, be, and they want to introduce themselves to that. And, and perhaps
0: we'll talk about that in the future as well. Uh, it's a numbers game.
1: Correct. And and it's a game we can numbers and no we doubt. can talk
0: about that more in depth later. Without a doubt. But I think for now the idea
1: that solid quality relationships that network establishes your net worth. It's not who you know, but who you know, and the idea. That you connecting on a on an actual authentic level, correct, returns dividends in comparison to the name drop, name grab. Yep. All right, folks, we're gonna switch and transition to my favorite part. Hopefully, it's becoming your favorite part. I know a number of people have said something to me about the uh, <laughs> about the quote of the weeks, and in fact, using it as quality excuses to. Initiate something new in their business or in their personal lives. It's been kind of fun.
0: Yes. And this is my world now. Everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. Bill Nye.
1: Ah, the science guy. That's right. That's quality. That's short and sweet. Everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. I, that is just... If you can hold those words close to you yep. as you as you walk through life, and it will help, it'll help remind you to be a little more humble in your approach, and that every time we interact, we can learn something from somebody else,
0: and you I, know I, that's so cool. I think it's very critical to the conversation we had today because when you're networking you should be learning about that person, learning something from them. Yes. That is that is how you build a good relationship. Sure.
1: And and that's the idea that they have something valuable to offer. Good or bad, you're learning from them. You oh, know? yeah. We I mean, Go back to that story. Manufacturer B, for me, I, I learned some things about them. I didn't want to learn, you know, um, and, it, and it eventually springboarded us forward. But uh, I learned something not so good. But that's valuable to say that I think that I didn't know that beforehand. And so my naivete, my, my naiveness is what actually uh, kind of got me in trouble, you know? Um, And maybe if I would have known more known better, we could have actually used their process to our advantage, but it also has that person, Hey, you know, they just might be uh, a, a qualified individual who wants to invest emotionally or socially in you. And they're going to help uh, fill a need in that moment in that room of, of conversation it's very valuable or to say hey you know what I, I've always believed uh, I sport I coach a lot of young sports teams or I used to do uh, environmental or outdoor leadership one of the things I always did was learn the person's name yep right uh, in that process, it's actually teaching us something about each other. So at the end of the day, if we know nothing but their name and their favorite color, then we've learned something valuable about interacting with the person next to us. Yes. And so it goes from from that very individual level all the way up to a, a highly corporate transactional process.
0: And even when I was teaching sales, uh, one of the one of the rules I would have is, in your initial conversation with a new customer. Yes. I didn't care what they were looking for. I didn't care what product they came into the store for. Yes. I wanted to know three things about that customer, period. Yes. Favorite baseball team, favorite color, whatever it is. Yes. Three things about that customer. Right. Build that relationship first and then worry about the product. And I think that is so critical in sales, uh, in the retail experience,
1: when you are doing a value-added experience versus the Walmart transactional model. Yep. And uh, I think it creates lifelong customers. And I think it's very interesting when uh, we get new customers uh, here into our facility and they are expecting to be surface level transactional, right? That they're expecting us to try and shove a product down their throat. And I oftentimes... Uh, find myself going, I, I really don't care if you give me money today. That's, you know, people will be like, well, you know, do I, do I need to do this? And I get my card out. No, I, I want you to see the estimate first. I want you to be fully aware and educated about the decision you're going to make. You're going to be in charge of this. Right. And that's so foreign to a lot of our customers. My
0: favorite reaction is when they come in looking for say a lift kit or tires and wheels. And our first question is, well, how do you intend to use the Jeep? Yes, and they're like, I, I, I don't just, I just want to buy a lift kit from you. Why are you asking me this? Yes, and that have I, you I, have you driven your Jeep off road? <laughs> go drive it off road. Yeah,
1: Get, come back when you know. I don't want your money right now. Yeah. I want, I want your experience. I want what's going to make you happy. That's that's not a financial transaction, right? Right. What that is is a longitudinal transaction. I think we leave it there. Absolutely. Have a super cool conversation today. We actually uh, have spurred a, yet another couple topics that we'll want to talk about here in the future. Folks, you don't want to miss any of these. I hope that they are beneficial to you. I know that a number of people are really enjoying them. The, uh, the reach and scope of the downloads has been fantastic. And we thank you so much for being part of this process. The American Hustle is meant for you, the listener, to learn and grow from our experiences, but also teach us a little bit about each other and about the process. And as you contribute, we learn from you as well. So thank you for that. It's critical that you join us next week. In the meantime, tell your friends about it. Share this online, you know, i recommend us to somebody else. And if you'd like to reach out and suggest a topic or want further information, you can reach us on our text only number 440-855-2100. Again, it's 440-855-2100. Or you can email Jeffrey at j e f f c at sfj4x4.com. You can email the producer directly. We appreciate you being a valuable listener today and your input in these conversations. Get out there and get hungry. And stay hungry.
0: The American dream is not dead. We want to help you along the way. With over 40 years of combined leadership experience, we want to help you succeed. Share your stories. Ask us questions and believe in the American dream. Through Heart and Hustle, we will show you the path of success and hopefully have a little fun along the way. You can email us at C at sfj4x4.com or text us at 440-855-2100. Until next time, lead with your heart and keep hustling.